Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Retirement Puzzle brought to you by the Monash Center for Financial Studies. I'm Umul Rudba, a researcher at MCFS and one of the co-hosts of the podcast, where we explore the current and critical trends in the pension sector and try to explain how they impact us all. Today, we are going to talk about a topic that is very obvious in some countries while highly controversial in others. One thing is certain. We don't have it in Australia, at least not yet. And we are not sure if we are going to have it ever. I'm talking about the universal age pension. My guest today is Dr. Roger Cohen. Roger Cohen is an entrepreneur and investor with a passionate interest in retirement income security. Roger is the founder and CEO of the environmental services company, C20, part of the founding team of the asset management company, BetaShares, and has held managing director positions at Deutsche Bank and McEwerr Bank. He conducts research on retirement issues in affiliation with Monash University. Hi, Roger. Hi, Omal, and thanks for that introduction. Roger, I know that you are passionate about a lot of issues ranging from trading, risk management, regulation of the financial industry, superannuation, age pension, sustainability, and the list goes on. But today we are going to focus on the age pension, or more specifically, the universal age pension. We have a fairly advanced retirement system in Australia. The age pension system provides a reasonable cushion for retirees, but we do not have the best system, not yet. We are ranked fourth in the world, so there is still some room for improvement. What are the main drawbacks of our current age pension system? Uh, thanks, Sumal. So I would say you're right, we do have a very good system, but the biggest drawback I see in our system is the complexity. We would be the only country in the world, I believe, which has both an income and assets test for pension requirements. And this, together with the lack of understanding of the system, which most retirees have, means that um, they can, they, this, the system can lead to some, you know, a lot of, lot of lack of understanding and a lot of unintended consequences. The main unintended consequence, which we've referred to as the retirement track, is a consequence of the, um, the, the complexity of the, um, the asset and the income test where retirees who take minimum withdrawals from their super can actually end up being worse off if their asset balances or their increase, their income increases. And this is because of the way that the, um, income and asset tests reduce their pension. They end up maybe earning more income, but having a bigger amount in their pension taken away. Since the retirement income review came out just a few months ago, uh, I'd like to know about your impression of the review. What could have been added to this review uh, to make it more complete or comprehensive? The review, the review was you know, very wide-ranging. Um, it did touch on the undue complexity that we see in the system, and it did identify some of the issues around um, underspending of retirement assets. It also questioned the, the level and the timing of the superannuation guarantee and acknowledged that whilst a universal pension would be a great outcome and would be desirable, it would probably cost too much. And as a standalone add-on, of course it would, but it didn't go into the um, specifics of how a universal pension could be funded without becoming a great cost burden. 
I know, Roger, that you are a big believer in universal age pension. And there were quite a few submissions to the Retirement Income Review that advocated this universal age pension, including yours. So uh, what would be some of the advantages of such a system compared to the mean-tested system that we have right now? I mean, you mentioned that our system is complex and it makes some retirees worse off in some situations. Can it address some of these issues? Sure. So the the issue of expense, which we touched on above, I'll, I'll talk about later if I can. But um, the biggest thing about a universal pension is because everyone gets it, you can do away with a lot of the complexity in the system. You remove the assets and incomes test, a lot of the anomalies that go along with the way those tests work and the way they interact with the pension are removed. And the, the retirement trap, which we referred to above, is also um, removed by bringing the pension in for everybody. I guess that it will also reduce some of the operational costs for Centrelink because right now you have to do this calculation every year. I think they do it twice every year and then decide how much age pension one receives and or whether someone is eligible for age pension or not, right? Yeah, we should. I should have mentioned that before. But yeah, the whole administrative burden goes away because everybody receives a universal, pe- you know, a basic pension. So there's no, um, you know, you, once you qualify for it, you receive it. It is obviously going to add some additional burden on the system. Uh, and the review has mentioned it, you have mentioned it. So what would be your suggestion to implement a universal age pension without substantially increasing the burden on the federal government? If it was done as a best of breed system, then I'm pretty confident that it would end up costing the government less or at worst the same as it does today. So what we need to do is we need to say, okay, we're giving everybody a universal pension. How do we recover some of the cost of that pension? And there are two main avenues for doing that. One is to take superannuation contributions that we make as we do now and to stream some of those towards a defined benefit scheme, which would fund the universal pension. The balance then goes into a a defined contribution scheme, as it does for most of us today. And the other way to do it, which um, was picked up in the retirement income review, was to look at taxing um, income from superannuation, just as we tax income from other sources. And this would both help to fund the pension, and it would also remove some of the anomalies around the um, the big differences between um, our superannuation, which is essentially a, a tax-free or tax-sheltered environment, and everything outside superannuation. So I think you, I think you end up making the system simpler in in more than just one dimension. So some of the super funds already offer a defined benefit scheme. For example, Unisuper has two separate accounts. One is a defined benefit account, and the other one is an accumulation account. In what ways the system that you are proposing would be similar or different from the one, for example, Unisuper has? Um, there are many similarities, but the biggest difference would be with a universal pension, we end up having huge and diverse pools of um, funds, of stakeholders, and um, that means that the system can be managed in a, a sort of a best-of-breed framework. You get all the benefits from um, offsetting across you know, different income levels, different asset classes, different time frames, and things like that. And so you end up with a very, very um, 
robust system if it's managed well. So it doesn't seem that complicated. So then why don't we see these in many countries? I mean, I'm not talking about the developing countries or the uh, middle-income countries, but we don't see that in many developed countries as well. So how many countries actually provide these universal age pension? I think, um, again, I don't know the exact number of countries that do supply a, a universal pension. I think New Zealand and the UK do it. And then if you look on the chart at some of the countries that came ahead of us, um, I think it's um, Denmark and the Netherlands have a mix of a universal pension plus a, a means-tested pension. And, you know, it's not, it's not something that all countries would be able to do. We're lucky in Australia that we have a relatively, you know, we're a relatively wealthy country and we have a relatively well-funded retirement system. So, um, you know, to, to, to be able to do a universal pension, you really do need to have those things in place. So is there any lesson that we can have from the countries that already have this universal wage pension if we decide to implement it in Australia as well? I think, you know, as, I, as I said to the last question, it's, it's you know, something that requires a very good and strong retirement system, but it should be something, you know, we have enough example from our peers globally and internally, and we have a you know, very large asset management system in Australia we would, you know, have to make it a best of breed system, use, use the, the best products and the best technology available to make a, um, a, a strong and cost-effective universal pension system. I'm going to ask you about, again, your proposed methodology and the one that we already see in some other countries. So New Zealand is one of the countries that provide, uh, you mentioned that universal age pension, and so far I know that it provides the highest amount. But their universal age pension system is tax-funded. What are the advantages of dividing savings in the existing superannuation system into a defined benefit and an accumulation part instead of funding uh, the whole system through taxation? Look, if you have enough tax revenue that you can put into a pension system, then you could say, okay, you know, job done. And that's what New Zealand does. It has a you know, relatively small population, has high tax rates and is able to do that. In Australia, you know, we're not quite where New Zealand is, but we also have a very large superannuation system and you know, we have high rates of contribution into that super system. So what I'm proposing or what we've proposed is we say, we, you know, we can use the tax system to partially fund a, um, a universal pension and whatever the gap is, you could either increase taxes to do or you could take the existing pension system and you could say, we'll take some of that to fund the universal pension. I think that introduces some equity because those who have a large superannuation pool will in a sense be paying themselves their universal pension and those that, have it, you know, those that don't have it will still be um, funded by the government and then you can still have the benefit of a discretionary superannuation system where members have flexibility as to how their investments are managed and um, you know how their contributions are managed. So I think you, you end up with the best of both worlds by doing that. And you don't need to increase tax rates, I should add. So you're proposing that a better system can be developed using our existing superannuation system and through taxation. Right now, we have different types of tax concessions built within our superannuation system. Some are applicable during the accumulation phase and some during retirement. 
I understand that uh, these concessions during accumulation phase are important as savings in super are different from those outside super, for example, in your bank accounts, as you cannot have access to savings in super until you retire. But there are also concessions for savings in super during retirement. Once pension is universal, would there be any justification of the special tax treatments for superannuation assets in pension account? For example, right now, one can keep up to 1.7 million of their accumulated super balance in a pension account and pay no tax on the income generated by these assets. I, th- I think, um, yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a very complex issue, but I think some points about it are, you know, you should note that the number of people who reach that $1.6 million cap is, is only, you know, it's not, it's not the majority of the population. And if you look at the spread, the ones who get towards the 1.6 are generally, you know, wealthy people who have, you know, other assets outside their pension. So super becomes a, a, a tax shelter almost for those. Um, those people, I think, um, you know, introducing an age pension. If you if you give something extra, you have to take something away. And of course, the spread of who who wins and who loses is is not always the same. But I think if you're looking to to establish a universal pension, removing some of those tax concessions is a good way to fund it. It also simplifies the system because if I you know if I have assets. Inside my pe- inside super and outside super, and I know super is a is a tax shelter. I'll behave very differently to if if everything is treated in a in a similar way. I think on the way into super, the the tax concessions are, are good because it gives you an incentive when you're younger and you're working to put money into super. You you can you can see you know this is money I'm not going to see for 30, 40, 50 years when you're very young. But at least you're seeing that it's it's you know there's an incentive to put it in super and to start building up the balances that will will serve you in retirement. So, do you think that such a system, I mean, a universal age pension system, might have an adverse implication for the working age individuals? I I, I don't think so. I think if you look at two things, one is if it's funded out of you know out of um, future tax on your 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 retirement income and or um, streaming contributions from super, you're still making those same contributions. So on that side, nothing changes. And I think on the psychological side, you know, people are saying, well, if, if I know I'm going to get a pension, then I don't need to bother to save or I don't care. That happens anyway. We still have a, it's a means tested pension. But if I do nothing and I don't accumulate and I don't have assets, I'm going to get that um, pension anyway. So I don't see how. Um, it, it does. I think um, what needs to be explained is the um, the story around well, why should people who are extremely wealthy get a universal pension? And the answer there is those people have funded that pension through their super contributions and also through the tax that they will be paying on their retirement income from all sources. So um, I think it's it's more around the messaging than around the actual outcome. Yeah, I I think given the uh, state of our financial literacy, especially among the general population, it would be a difficult message to convey. So, Roger, my last question to you. What are some of the questions that researchers can address to help the industry and the policymakers in this space of superannuation, age pension and retirement? 
Um, I think you touched on the first one, which I think is education and financial literacy. I think if Australians early in their lives understand how the, the system, how better how the system works, um, what they're putting in while they work, what they get out and what they can expect when they retire, that will, um, you know, that will make things easier. Um, I also think that, um, you know, a lot of the, uh, the submissions to the retirement income review and the discussion around it all came from people who've got a, a vested interest of some sort, whether it's you know political or whether it's product or something else. Um, it wasn't really from the population in general. So I think we need to understand and we need to educate and we need to talk to a wider selection of stakeholders to make sure that you know what are the gaps in their understanding and you know how how can we address that. And I think one issue that the Retirement Income Review did rec- did uncover was the fact that um, retirees do not understand fully that their pension is meant to be a pool that provides for them in retirement and it should, they should be using both the income and the capital from that pool, whereas most or many retirees think that the, their, their super, their retirement assets, is something that will generate income for them in retirement, but the, the capital is something that they preserve or pass on in their estates. So, Roger, what would be your suggestions on how the government and the industry can move forward in enlightening the general population about the system and how it works? Difficult. I think the first thing is just is, is to make the system simpler. It's just too difficult at the moment to understand. Even, you know, I, I have trouble getting my head around it sometimes. Yeah, me too. Um, so I think the things we spoke about, just ret- you know, making this, the system simpler and then explaining a simpler system becomes a much easier task. Thanks a lot, Roger. Uh, thanks for taking time to share your opinions with us. My pleasure. Thank you, Amul. From today's discussion with Roger, we have learned that a universal age pension can improve our age pension system by making it simpler. It is possible to implement such a system without putting additional burden on the federal government as those who are wealthy will fund their age pension with their accumulated super funds. It will be good for the retirees as a whole, of course. It will be easy for all of us to understand. And more importantly, we already have the infrastructure required to establish such a system. Thank you for listening to The Retirement Puzzle from Monash Center for Financial Studies. If you have enjoyed it, please tell your colleagues and friends about us. You can subscribe to our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review. If you want to collaborate with us on retirement-related issues, please get in touch at mcfsinfo at monash.edu.